are you today? It's a good day to know the Lord. I uh, want to thank all of you for all of your prayers concerning my knee. Uh, They haven't convinced me that I'm doing as well as they say I am. Because I feel like I should have been through a long time ago. But it's coming. So we'll just hang in there. All right, I want you to take your Bible this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We uh, spent a couple of years in Ephesians, literally, and believe it or not, we only got as far as chapter 4. We never went into chapter 4. And uh, the Lord's just been kind of speaking to me about some things and showing me some things the last couple of weeks. And uh, I'm going to be, I have to go to California for a wedding next weekend. So I wanted to get this on record today. And so let's just look at the the whole chapter. Ephesians chapter 4 is just phenomenal. But for time's sake, uh, we're going to start in verse 7 and read through verse 16. Okay, That specifically covers what I wanted to share with you today. He says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Uh, Justin Newman called me this week. He was excited about something he had heard and and uh, still is. And uh, basically what he was saying was, spoke is addressed in this verse. He said, he who was the highest became the lowest. Jesus, who was the highest, reigned over all of the earth, became descended and became the lowest and became obedient to the point of death in order that God might make him the highest. And that's a whole other topic. Now this, and he says in verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself and love. Now, I just want to read something to you that I, I ran across. I, I couldn't even find what commentary this was from. It was on a Bible app that I used to study with, but uh, it's very appropriate. And I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to come back to Scripture. He says, We learn from Ephesians 4.12 that the prime duty of all these agents, and he's talking about apostles of prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, okay? He says the prime duty of all of these agents is not to baptize, marry, 
bury the saints, to comfort and console them, and to get them somehow into heaven as the Arab guide gets to travelers to the top of the pyramids. I will say, I'll read this again, okay? We learn from Ephesians 4.12 that the prime duty of all these agents is not to baptize, marry, bury the saints, to comfort and console them, and to get them somehow into heaven as the Arab guides get travelers to the top of the pyramids. Their duty is to perfect. I get this next statement. That is, to adjust the saints for the work of ministry. Read that again. Their duty, the duty of these functions, is, is to perfect, that is, to adjust the saints for the work of ministry that they may contribute to the building of the church. A minister is a failure if he does all the work himself. Read that again. A minister is a failure if he does all the work himself. The people must all be at work in the quarries or shaping the stones, or fitting them into their places. He uses the picture that we're a living temple. And that calls us the living stones. It's pretty good, isn't it? Now, I, I was just talking with someone this morning, and we were talking about the things that we've been told, the, the things that we've been embraced about what church is supposed to look like. And the traditions that we hold on to and the, the, the structure and the function of what we hold on to. And there's probably no concept that is deeper ingrained in the body of Christ than the one that says you have to have one guy doing all the stuff. That's why we hire him to do all the stuff. And yet when you look at Scripture, that is absolutely foreign to what God's Word says. And so I want us to just read this this morning and comment on it. And my prayer is that maybe you would have a little clearer understanding of what Grace Covenant has been about for 30 years. It has not been about that. It has been about something different. And what I'm going to read to you, every one of us would agree that's true. We mentally assent that that's true. Where the rub comes in is when you start doing that stuff. When it flies in the face of all the stuff that we've been taught in the past and all the things that we've been led to believe to find out, you mean that's not right? And that's not just true of this, it's true of whole of Scripture. We all agree with the whole Bible, but none of us would agree we're experiencing the reality of the whole Bible in our life. We have mentally assented to it. So let's just look at it this morning, and, and I pray that it will give you a little clearer understanding about us. He says, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Now, let me explain something to you. A gift is always a function. All right? It's something that's done. It is not a label. The purpose of a gift is not so that everybody has their label or their name tag. I'm this. The purpose of the gift is not a badge, a name badge. It's not a title. It's not a position, and it is not an office. It is a function. A gift is a function. A gift is to execute something. He gives us gifts that we might do something and function in a particular capacity. Each one of these gifts that he lists, 
Here is a different aspect of a function, something that's done, okay? And he tells us a bunch of things about how that's supposed to take place. So it's not a name, it's not a title, it's not a position. It is a function. And he says, the function of these gifts, now let me just let you know up front, the prepositions in these next few verses are just as important as the nouns and the verbs. And there's a bunch of prepositions. The prepositions build on one another. The prepositions say this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And the prepositions are very important. You can't just overlook them because he's going somewhere. And the preposition takes us there. Okay? You'll see what I mean in just a minute. He says, he gave these gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for, here's what he gave them to us for. Here's what he gave the church these functions for. The purpose of these functions is to equip the saints, to make perfect, to make whole the saints. The verse that he uses here, I like this verb, they're dirty, is to adjust the saints, okay? To grow up the saints, to do something to the body, to equip the saints, okay? The purpose of these guys is not to go out and do all the stuff. The first function of these guys is to equip the body for some things, all right? So he says, he's given us these for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. He, these, the purpose of these functions is to equip the body so that the body can do the work of service. The purpose of these gifts is not that they can do the work of service. The purpose of these gifts is to equip the body that the body can do the work of service. And I I think it's good that he used the word work. It requires energy. It requires strength. The best way to describe a work of service is whatever needs to be done in obedience to the head. What's the work of service? Whatever needs to be done in obedience to the head. Let me give you a picture. The men's group that meets back here. The head gave them directions. And the head said, I want you guys to go over and help a brother out who's not able to get around very well, and I want you to go build him a handicap ramp. Now, the typical way to do that is to call the head guy and say, you know, we think you ought to go over there and build this guy a ramp. That's not the purpose. God, the head, directed these men to do a work of service. I didn't find out about it till it was almost done. That's the work of service. They, were, they have been equipped to know that we can do this. We don't need to call the head, which is really Christ. We don't need to call the physical head. I don't know how we come up with that. We've got a spiritual head and a physical head. Listen, you've got two heads, you've got a freak. I don't care whether it's spiritual or physical, you've got a problem. But they had been equipped well enough to have confidence in God speaking to them to go do something as an expression of Christ, work of service. Where'd that come from? It came from the head. And that's what he says. The purpose of these gifts, the purpose of these functions is to equip the saints for the work of service. What does that then do? It builds up the body of Christ. It strengthens the body of Christ. It spreads the body of Christ. The body of Christ touched this person's life this week like no Zoom or meeting or anything else could ever do. It was personal. It was relevant. It encouraged him. It let him know he was important. It let him know that even though he's not able to come, he's valuable. Building up the body of Christ. 
He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building of the body of Christ. How long? Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. As you look at some of these, we've been told some of these gifts cease to exist with the whatever reason. Well, he said he gave us these until we attain to the unity of faith. Does the body of Christ look like it's attained the unity of the faith? No. So we still need them. We still need these functions in the body. We still need the functions. And let me explain something to you also. Paul has never written one single letter to the universal church. Every one of his letters was written to a local church that was local, identifiable, and within a certain region. Church at Ephesus, church at Philippi, church at Galatia was a region, group of churches, church at Colossae, church at Rome. He never said it to the universal church. He's talking about a local expression of the body of Christ. And he said, God's given this local expression, apostle, body, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that they might equip the saints so that the saints can do the work of service. And he gave them to us until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Now, what's the goal of all this? The goal of him giving the gifts, the goal of the gifts, the function equipping the saints, the goal of the saints doing the work of the service is to build up the body of Christ. Well, how, what's it? Does that mean numbers? Does it mean more bodies? Does it mean more money? Does it mean bigger buildings? No, until they reach the stature which is the fullness of Christ. They grow the church to look like Jesus. That's the objective of growth within the body of Christ. Until the church reaches that mature man to where it looks like Jesus. And that's the heart of all of these functions that he gives here. Their heart, their desire, people with these giftings are deeply and primarily concerned about the spiritual well-being of the rest of the body. I'll say that again. People with these giftings are primarily and deeply concerned about the spiritual well-being of the rest of the body. Their heart is beyond themselves. Their heart is for the children. Their heart is for the young adults. Their heart is for the body of Christ. Their heart is to see the body grow, to see the body become like Christ. That's why they do what they do. They want to see that realized in the body of Christ. Well, where do these functions come from? Can you go down to the seminary and get one? No, they come from within the body of Christ. Everything that it needs comes, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher, comes from within the body of Christ that the saints may be equipped to do the work of the service until we come into the unity of faith to a full stature, an adult stature, an adult expression of Jesus to the world. How do you determine what your gift is? This is, this is weird, okay, because it's so contrary. The best way to determine what your gift is is to do what's in your heart. And the body will affirm it and confirm it. It's not because we do some research and test ourselves to determine what we have. If I'm not functioning, I'm not, I'm not expressing the gift God's given me. If I'm just sitting, observing, and watching, I'm doing nothing. 
to build up the body of Christ. Whenever I discover what's in my heart to do, what is it God's put inside of me to do? And I begin to function in that, the body will look and say, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen people that come up here and have the purpose of encouraging us and the means by which they do it, you can see their teachers. You can see their pastors. You can see their this. But they're doing what's in their heart. It's not because we take a test. It's not because we have somebody just analyze us. It's because we do what God puts in our heart, and the body will recognize it before we even recognize it. I want to go look over these things, okay? Because I, w- I want you to, I want, I want to get somewhere with this. We're going to start, and let me say first of all, these gifts are not listed in order of importance, okay? So just when I when I look at them, when I address them, when I deal with them, I am not dealing with the most important and then going down. Whenever Paul gives a list, it's it's always different. He said the great the the there exists, what will always exist is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Well, it was third. Wasn't first. And what I like about it is hope was second any way you look at it. Okay. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So when he says here, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, he's not saying teacher's more important. He's not saying apostle is more important. He's saying they are different, and here they are, and here's what they do. So we're going to start at the last that's listed and go backwards, okay? First one is a teacher. Here's a guy who has a heart for the body of Christ. Here's a guy who has a desire to see the lights come on in people's lives. Now, let me explain something to you. This is not someone who teaches the Bible. They didn't have a Bible. Well, they had the Old Testament. But, yeah, how many times did Paul actually refer to that in his letters? Listen, you cannot bring a church into the fullness of the Christ's expression simply by teaching the Bible. You must teach Christ. It is as big a difference as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. You can teach from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, where you give knowledge of good, knowledge of evil, knowledge of what's right, knowledge of what's wrong, and there not be an ounce of life in it. Here's a person who teaches Christ. Here's a person who wants to just share with the body what Christ has done and who Christ is and how Christ has revealed himself to them. Everything gears around that. He, that doesn't mean he doesn't study the Bible, but it means that it takes second. If all I've done is given you verses and told you what this verse has said and given you the Greek and the Hebrew, all I've done is taught from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if that verse becomes real, real in my life and reveals Christ, and I point Christ out in that, then I'm growing in Christ. And he becomes real to me. That's what this teacher does. His focus is Christ. Okay? That's his heart to see the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ imparted into people's lives. You see people in our body like that. Every time they get up, they're just teaching you about Jesus. They're telling you what Jesus, showing you what Jesus has done. Now, let me say something, okay? I am not going to name names, all right? Because I want you to understand that if you want to know who's gifted and how they're gifted, you're going to have to get to know the body. You're going to have to experience that yourself. So I'm not going to say, well, this guy's this and this person's that and this person's this. If you are getting to know the body, you will recognize those things. And nobody will need a name tag. Nobody will need a badge. 
It will be an expression. We're talking functions here. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about fun- We're not talking about offices. We're not talking about positions. We're talking about a person may or may not be in a position of authority and have these gifts. Because our objective is to encourage one another. Okay? So the person who has the gift of teaching, he's going to become in teaching Christ, imparting Christ. The next one he says is pastor. Okay, that's the guy who does it all. Okay? Let me tell you what a pastor is. The best picture of a pastor, uh, I think it was Tim Keller who wrote that book about a, a shepherd uh, who just recently passed away. Uh, but the best picture of a pastor is a shepherd. The best picture of a shepherd is when he takes that lamb in his arm and just strokes him, loves on him. Or he takes that one that's, that's uh, uh, the, the flies are bothering and he anoints him with oil. He just soothes you, okay? If any of you know me, that ain't me. Okay? If you've come to me for counsel, we may have had a little bit of soothing, but it wasn't enough that you wanted, probably. That's not me. This person's heart is to bring comfort. This person's heart is to bring consolation. Now, I've learned over the years to be a little nicer, okay? To be a little kinder. But that's not my motivation. That's not my drive. You'll see mine here in a minute, all right? But we have pastors all throughout this body. And you know what? People are drawn to them. And what they understand, because they have been trained, is that their, their gifting, their function, is not just to make them feel better about themselves. Their purpose is to encourage them to encounter Christ. Again, back to the fullness of Christ in their life. Letting them know, hey, I empathize with how you feel. I empathize with what you're going through. But if you want something different, you're going to have to change that and embrace Christ in your life. But they do it with that empathy. They do that with that graciousness, okay? And we we, we see those people, men and women. Oh, you mean you have women pastors. You see, it's easy. When nobody has authority like that, it's easy. Anybody can feel that responsibility. We've taken said this pastor's got to be it. And that is absolutely no place in Scripture that gives that picture whatsoever. None. None. All right. We got event, we've got uh, uh, pastors, teachers. We've got pastors. Oh, listen. And part of their responsibility is not just to do that stuff. Part of that responsibility is to equip us, the body, to do that stuff. See, I learned what little bit of empathy I have by watching people who had more empathy. And I realized, you know, you haven't been very empathetic. You haven't been very, you know, you kind of, your first response is break his leg so he don't run off no more. See? And so they, you, we learn from that. As they come and express that, then we learn from that. And we're equipped to be able to, to pastor people and to be empathetic to people. I need to move on. All right. So he says, uh, apostle, we got teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Okay, evangelist is the guy that you hire to come into town, you know, once a year and do his thing and, and increase your numbers. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, you'll be able to recognize evangelists in heaven. They'll be the ones in the shark skin suits the patent leather shoes, on their knees, in the streets, digging up the gold. That's the picture of the evangelist, uh, Elmer Gantry, coming into town, building everything up. That's not a picture of an evangelist. An evangelist is somebody whose heart is to see people come to know Christ. And, and, and I, there's a part of me that envy these guys. They can read the label on a soup can and people want to get saved. They just have a way of turning every conversation around to Christ and embracing every situation and sharing Christ with people. We have those people here. 
They want us to participate in that. I believe that one of the greatest atrocities in embracing this one-man mentality is that most of us have never had the privilege of leading anybody to Jesus because we think it's somebody else's job. And it robs us of the joy Evangelists come and he's encouraging us to speak out. He's encouraging us to reach out. He's showing us how to do all of that, to minister to people and bring them to Christ. Evangelists. Next one is a prophet. Prophet's gotten a bad name. Prophet's probably one of the easiest ones to get a bad name. Prophet, his, his, his heart, his, his drive is to hear the Lord and share with you what the Lord says. If he fits in the body, his heart is not only to do that himself, his heart is for you to do that, for you to learn to hear the Lord, for you to learn to have that intimacy with him, that you might be able to speak what God has to say in other situations in other people's life. His job is not just to do it. His job is to impart to us how to do it, encourage us how to do that. And see, folks, if it doesn't come from the head, it's not from the Lord. So the prophet wants to say, what's the Lord saying? What's the Lord saying to you? And we may come to them for counsel. You know, I, I, could, I thought about doing, you know, an illustration, what happens when you go to each one of these for counsel. You know, well, the prophet, you go to a prophet from, for counsel, if he's not learned graciousness, and he's, not, he's going to say, well, what's God saying? Well, that's all that matters. What's God saying? But his heart is that the body would learn to connect to the head in such a way that they can receive from him and impart to one another. Okay? We need these guys. They're still prophets. They've been messed up in our understanding of them. But there are prophets within this body whose heart is to hear the Lord and to encourage the rest of the body to hear the Lord. Now, let me explain something to you. The more mature you become, the more difficult it's going to be to identify one of these. Because the goal is Christ. What was Christ's gift? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That was his gift. He says, uh, but to each one of grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was the measure of Christ's gift? All of them. So the more mature you become, the more difficult it's going to be to just single out one of them. You might be able to teach good. You might be able to encourage. You might be able to hear the Lord and speak as you mature in the Lord. That's the goal. That's the idea, to come into the fullness of him. And then he gets to the one, he says, apostles. Apostles is the one that typically, you know, every fundamentalist says doesn't exist anymore. Every uh, uh, dispensationalist was, well, we had the dispensation of the apostles, and we don't have the apostles anymore. Well, the problem was that is he just said he gave them to the church, and he's addressing a local church. So they're still there, okay? And if they're still there, there, they're still there here. Does that make any sense? We still got them. We have just messed this up big time. Apostle for us has been, he's the guy that's over a bunch of churches. You know, he's got all these churches that he's responsible for. Listen, an apostle at the church in Ephesus was not an apostle at the church at Colossae. An elder at the church in Ephesus was not an elder at the church in Corinthians. It was a local responsibility, and it was a local expression. So when he says he's given us these gifts until we reach the unity of faith, which we haven't reached that yet, so they're still here. Now, this, pro, this, this, this apostle guy, we've just made him, you know, kind of big daddy. And uh, doing so, we've lost the practicality of it. The best definition I have ever seen for apostle 
was, a, was in the Greek. And it was just a very simple definition in a, in a Greek Bible that I was uh, studying through one time. And it said apostle. And here's what he said. An apostle is one sent forth to set in order. One sent forth to set in order. This guy lives to see order established in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ. That's his heart. When he sees something that's out of order, it grieves him. And his first question is, Lord, how can this be put back in order? How can this be set in the proper place in the kingdom of God? Whenever someone comes to him with counsel and they've got this, here's what you find when people come. Most people just want to talk and they really don't want an answer, a lot of people. And so you work through all of that and and, and here's the guy, here's the apostle listening and all he can do is think, well, that's out of order. That's out of order. I mean, you're not the husband and your family, that's out of order. You're not, you're all these, and he's seeing all these things that are out of order. Because in his heart, the only way wholeness is going to be brought to this person's life is if their life is set in order. And that order is under the headship of Christ. The same is true of a church. He goes into a church, and everybody's real proud of what they've got and real thrilled with how things are going. And he goes in and he says, well, this is out of order. This is out of order. And you can just imagine how welcome he is. We've been doing it this way all these years, and we've been believing this stuff all these years. And now you come in here and you say, this is out of order, and we need to adjust this. We need to change this. His heart is to see the body of Christ in order underneath the authority of Christ, the head, with Without the influence of religion, without the influence of tradition, purely and simply in relationship with Christ. And how does this, how does my life come under the order of Christ? How does my how does the body of Christ come under the order of Christ? Well, we've always had just one guy. Well, we've always done this, we've always done that. Is it in order? Is it in God's order? And the tendency is, don't touch that. Leave that alone. You know anybody like that? I've had people come to me, especially in the last few months. If you're not the pastor, what are you? And I have put off avoided, subverted, changed the subject. Done everything I know to not go here. Maybe to our problem. But I want to tell you something, folks. My heart, what wakes me up in the morning... What keeps me going is to see the body of Christ set in order under the headship of Jesus. That's my heart. Can I teach? Yeah. Can I hear the Lord? Yeah. Can I pastor? Yeah. But that's my heart. And if you think back, if you've ever come to me for counsel, and you didn't get the strokes that you wanted. But you may have gotten clarity about, oh, yeah, that, that is out of order. Or you didn't want to hear that. That's my heart. To see the body of Christ in order in every phase, in every aspect where everything is concerned. Because I believe Christ, it's the fullness of the expression of Christ that we're looking for in the body. That's what's in my heart, and it has been in my heart for years. When I first came, 
When we first came, we tried our best not to come. We, we met for hours and days and tried to say, don't do that. And, you know, because I knew that there was this, this expectation to be the pastor. And that wasn't me. I told him, I'm not a pastor, guys. My heart is to see things set in order under Christ's headship, regardless of who is guarding them out of order. And that got me in trouble. But I don't know what else to do. It's just part of who I am and who God has made me to be. So I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I can't be a pastor. I can try to pastor because I've found that sometimes you have to pastor before you can set things in order. And I, I'm learning how to do that. Still not very good at it. So we, if you just look around, if you'll get to know the body, you'll see these functions. You'll see them being expressed. Their purpose is to equip the body to do the work of service, to equip us to do it. If we don't do it, there's a breakdown. If they don't do it, there's a breakdown. If they don't come to equip the body, there's a breakdown. If we don't respond in our willingness to do the work of service that they've taught us to do, there's a breakdown. And we will not experience the stature and the fullness of Christ. We might be big or little. We might have all the right things that you're supposed to have as a church. So we're told. But it will not be an expression of Christ. Look at the last verse in, on verse 16. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every relationship supplies. That's what a joint is. It's a relationship being fitted together and held together by what every relationship supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Each individual part has a function. Spectator is not a function. Sorry, spectator is not a function. When we do that, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, I hope you can understand a little bit better whenever you ask me, well, if you're not the pastor, who is? Well, there's a bunch of them. If you're not the pastor, what are you? My heart is to set things in order. And neither one of these, none of these, has any more authority than the other. The head has all the authority. Okay? All right, we're supposed to be out by noon, but I do want to give room for questions. Any questions? Michael. So much a question as maybe a comment or a clarification. Um, so I'm, I think I'm probably a teacher. I know Randy's a pastor. Um, if Randy's equipping the saints. Name dropper. If Randy's equipping the saints, <laughs> I would imagine he's not going and finding all the people who have the gift of pastor and teaching them how to be a pastor. I would imagine that I need to watch Randy so I can learn how to be a pastor for when that calling comes yes. in a situation for me. Yes. Correct? It's okay. not a click around <laughs> your gift. You don't form gift clicks. You see? You watch these guys and you say, what can I learn about pastoring from this person? What can I learn about teaching from this person? What can I learn about evangelism from this person? And they encourage us to do that. Does that make sense? Okay, anyone else? Back in the back. Jenny. Does your gift ever change, like, can you start with one and then maybe a different walk? It changes to something else? It won't change, but it will mature. You'll mature in one. You may be more mature in one than you are in the other, and then that may change. That may be, you know, I didn't have any idea what an apostle. I had all those preconceived definitions of an apostle, and I just figured I was a teacher, and that was my strength. 
And it's still, I'm still a strong teacher. But my heart is to teach in order to set things in order. So it, it, they grow and they change as they grow and you mature in this and you mature in that. And, and that's the seasons that God puts us through. Does that help? Okay. So the, the beginning of your process is a little hazy to me. So help, help me out. How, how would you describe or define what's in your heart to do? How because, would I describe or define what's in my heart to do? Right. I mean, if it's in my heart to play the congas and I have no rhythm and it messes everybody else up, but I have a lot of fun doing it and I feel like it's in my heart. Is it a feeling? Or how, how would you describe that process of acting out based on what's in your, what the Lord's put in your heart? One of the top determinators is what does the body say? What does the body say? Does the body watch you and they want to say, man, I don't think that's your gift. Do I respond to that or do I get indignant about it? The body will tell us what we do and what we function. That's what our body here does. Our body tells us when our hand's out of joint or when our arm is not working right. Our body will tell us that. The body of Christ will reveal that to us, which requires us having relationships with the body so that I can respond to them and show them. And, and it's, it's, sometimes it is trial and error. You know, we're looking, we're trying to find the secret that's inside of us, that God's put inside of us. And the body, if we know each other and value each other, we can help that process. Does that make sense? Okay. Randy? Mark? The health of this local body. Say it again now. What is your opinion, I guess, of the health of this local body? Okay, that's a good question. We are nine yards ahead from where we were. We have learned how to encourage one another. We've learned how to care for one another. We are learning, and I say we've learned, I don't mean that, that we're at the end. I mean we're a whole lot better than we've been in the past. We're learning that. I see Christ in so many of our functions and so many of our things that we do uh, as a whole. Uh, are there areas that we can use improvement? Sure. But that's, we haven't reached the fullness of Christ yet. But we're a lot more mature than we were. Just the fact in the way we share, we have a whole lot less rabbit chasing when people share than we used to have. We'd get off on who knows what. And we tend to stay more focused about what God's saying now. So I think we're, we're a lot further. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I've never seen the fullness of Christ so I'm kind of don't know what to compare it to. I just can compare it to where we were and where we've been, and we're a lot further along than we were then. Okay? Because that's the measure. The measure is not size. The measure is not money. Listen, I want to tell you something. This is hard for me to verbalize. I'm okay with 15 people meeting in a living room. if that's what the Father wants. I've never been about building a mega church. I can do it. I know how to do it. I was taught the skills of how to do it. But I don't see the head being manifested in that setting and in that context, and that's my heart to see him. Anyone else? Vernell. Just a comment. I came from an environment that you just said there's none of these things. Uh, there's no teacher office, I mean, no pastor office, and one person doing it. When the Lord was showing me the truths about Christ and how the body operates, or should operate according to Scripture, is when I left that environment and I was nowhere. I was in the wilderness until the Lord brought me to Grace Covenant. And that is why Grace Covenant is so dear to my heart is because of where I came from Mm -hmm. and to where in this body the Lord has brought me to, you know, hearing the Lord, knowing the Lord, 
and just the fellowship. And, and I just thank the Lord for Grace Covenant. And if it's 15 people in the living room, I'm there. Amen. <laughs> All right. Anyone else? Chuck? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the only other thing I could say is uh, you, you said we aren't where we used to be, where we are now. And I, I've seen that change because we've had services where the spirit, we, we were able to follow the spirit, what the spirit wants to do in this, mm-hmm. this morning, in this service. And uh, others have come on with, this is the vein that God has taken us in. And I've seen us come together and, and build on that and build on that and build mm-hmm. on that and not rabbit trail as much as we used mm-hmm. to. Yeah. I've seen that. See, I tell people who come, I was telling Emily that this morning, I tell people who say, you know, I want to come to your church or I want to see what you're doing. I get that a lot. I want to see what you guys are doing. And this is what I always tell them. It's either going to be really great or really bad. But it all depends on where the body is. Because every meeting is an expression of the body. It's not an expression of the professionals doing their thing and making us feel a certain way. So when we're tracking, it don't get any better than that. When we're dry and we're distracted, it's pretty dry. Uh Okay. But it's what it is. And, and, and Charles Lynn helped me with, with this one time. He said, you have good meetings and you have bad meetings. I thought, well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I never wanted to accept that, but yeah, that's true. You do. Joni? Um, it seems like if there was going to be anybody on board with this, besides you, it would be me. And... Um, I just, you know, I shared um, something a couple of weeks ago, and um, I have been dry. I have been distracted, and uh, I get very distracted um, when people leave, and I, I try to look at what is drawing them away, mm-hmm. and I get distracted by that. But this today has been like um, oil. It's just been comforting, and it's helped me um, refocus. It's helped me get the Lord's perspective, um, and uh, thank you for having patience with me. Um, I want to be your biggest fan, and I, I am. I am your biggest fan, but I, I have probably been one of those who have said, if you're not the pastor who is... If this is not what you're going to do, what are you going to do? And uh, I just uh, thank you for sharing this today. And I wish there were more people here to hear it. Well, that's why I wanted to get it on tape. I wanted to just get it down. Okay. Anyone else?